that he brings Klai Yisrael to the point where they personally wanted to accept that Hashem would be their king. We spoke about the importance of that, that even though it's understood and even though it's uh, known to us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge, but nevertheless the fact that we accept on ourselves as a certain Kayach, which we spoke about, is really our job in Rosh Hashanah. We aren't being Mechadish anything. We aren't uh, coming to say anything which wasn't already known. We're not being Mamre Hashem, there'll be another possibility. That it's a result of our choice, our decision, and that's what's the importance of Rosh Hashanah. It's, it's driving home a truth. It's bringing, it's a fact showing that we want the truth. It's not something which we compel to, something which we are forced to accept uh, against our will. It's something which we, it's true that we want it. Like we said, that Hashem is a Moshel. Hashem is a Moshel, Moshel Bakar. He's a Moshel, he rules of everything, but he is, uh, we give him Moshel, we want Hashem as a king. Okay. And therefore, we're holding by Perak Chavtar al Pasuk Chavhei. Yeshua made a bris with Klai Yisrael on that day, and he made it into a choik and a mishpat in Shechem. So we have to understand both parts of this passage. What's the choik of the mishpat? What's the bris? And what's the bris? Right, both of those things you have to explain. So what's normally the concept of a bris? So normally the concept of a bris is, uh, the Ramban explains, that a bris, which is meant to show a connection between two parties, right? The is a very interesting chiddush. Rabbi explains the concept of a bris was that each party gave to the other one something of value to them, and therefore, since now you watching something which is precious to me, or and I'm watching something which is precious to you, so now we, so to speak, are both interested in each other's well-being, because you have under your uh, so your authority, something which I'm very worried about. I have in the mouth authority, something you're very interested in. And if that's the case, we've now got mutually interested in looking after each other. Is this symbolic? No, it's not symbolic. It's very real. For example, we found the concept of this idea that other kings gave him one of their children to bring up in his palace. We have the Bnei Arubo, which were, uh, weren't captures, captives. It was part of a treaty with another king that they would give Shlem one of their children, and then so that way he would be like, they would be interested in his welfare because or look, because he's holding on to bring up one of their children, and vice versa. And therefore, the Ramban explains the idea of a bris is each party gives to the other something which is valuable to them, and now we mutually interested in looking after for each other, because you're watching something which is valuable to me, I'm watching something which is valuable to you, and if that's the case, we matter we have a, a two-way loyalty. Or alliance with each other. Um, that's how the Rabbani explains the idea of a bris. He talks about a number of times in Tanakh when you find a bris between two people, they gave each other something. And that was meant to signal this idea that I'm giving you something of value to me, and I'm taking something of value to you, and that's why we both um, are achroi are to each other. Would a bris then be called an alliance? A bris is an agreement or a covenant, whatever you want to call it. The but but it's more than just an agreement in words. What makes it something which is powerful is the fact is now we each need each other. So we've made a, a situation, we've made a, a Matthias where each of us needs the other one, whatever it is, and no matter we're now bound to each other. That's the idea of a bris. What was the bris of the rainbow? That's what everyone's talking. 
That's what, that's what I'm talking about. He explains what was the uh, was the bridge between Hashem and the world that he wants another marble to the world. So that's what he's talking about. And we can go through every bridge in turn. He's saying, what, what did Hashem take? And so he what do people take? In other words, what was the two ways to the agreement? So, it's a bit of topic, but if you just in brief, the, the bris with Nach was very simple. Nach didn't want to go out the Mabel. No. did not want to go out the table. He didn't want to rebuild the world after the Mabel. He said, what's the point? I now see that when people don't deserve it, everything gets destroyed, obliterated. So I'm going to start building a world again, and uh, it's just going to be wrapped and ready for the next time around when no one deserves it. So, now, so to speak, if you can say it in such terminology, Hashem needed Nach to do a job. He needed Nach to take care of replanting and rebuilding the world after the Mabu. So in, in return, he gave Nach something back. That Nach had, so to speak, a, a, a promise from Hashem that he would never destroy the world. So what did Hashem give Nach the kingdom of the world? Nach was meant to give Hashem the fact that he would be the one to rebuild the world like Hashem wanted. And what Nach Hashem gave him was the fact that the world will last. So now he has a guarantee. Now something, so to speak, Again, Hashem doesn't physically take things. But it's the idea that he has taken something from Hashem that, is, that Hashem can't take the world away from him again. There won't be another marvel. Now, where this is most beautifully expressed, beautifully expressed is the Midrash in Mishle. And the Midrash says like this. The Midrash says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a with Kal Yisrael, as we know. Hashem made a bris with the Jewish people many times. And what was the give and take? What were the two sides to the bris? Listen to what the Midrash says. It says the Midrash, Hashem says to Klai Yisrael, Neiri b'yodcha. My candle is in your hand. V'neircha b'yodi. Your candle is in my hand. Imatot yishmaris neiri, and yes, yishmaris neircha. If you look after my candle, I look after your candle. You're going to keep a candle light. You have to hold it. You go over it. You drop it. It's going to go out. So literally, we have a candle, and Hashem is a candle. And the mirror says, Hashem says to Kaisal, Neri biyotcha, my candle's in your hand, your candle's in my hand. And that's the bris. You look after my candle, I look after your candle. And what is the two candles referring to? Two psakim mishmei. The first psakim mishmei is, Kiner mitzvah v'tayro'ar. The mitzvah is compared to a candle. So now, Hashem wants the mitzvah stand, but it's up to us. We need to do the mitzvahs. So Hashem's candle, and their mitzvah is in our hands. And if Hashem's relying on us to do what He wants, to look after His mitzvahs. Your candle is in my hands, says Hashem. That's the second part of the Mishnah. The candle of Hashem is the Hashem of a person. And therefore, basically there's a bris. We need each other. And the Hashem, like we said, and the Hashem is in Hashem's hands. He wants us, he wants, we want Him to look after us for us. And it's the same thing. Hashem wants us to look after his mitzvahs. There's a, there's a two-way relationship here. And that's the difference between a bris and a promise. A promise is one-sided. It doesn't really demand something back in return. For example, after the Akeda, Hashem tells Avram, be nishbatim. I'm making a promise that your clash will always uh, survive. It wasn't a bris. Hashem didn't demand anything back from Avram in return. He had just given. He had just given. But as a result of what he had given, Hashem made a promise. That's the power of the Akeda. It's not a two-way street. It was a promise which is even one side. I shouldn't include his promise. So why do you say it's a bris versus a chesed versus a shmua? 
the right. We have to ask where Chalva was the bris. It doesn't say the Russian bris. The bris is by the bris mina. That's that's impressive with new Venecha. But the, the Shvur was by something else. The Shvur was by the Akeda. And that was the. Hashem obligated himself. As opposed to a bris, which is. We're responsible for something for each other. And therefore, the bris of the Torah, where it comes a number of times in the Torah itself, and that's the, the bris which we found again and again in the Nach, that they renewed the bris of the Torah. What's the two sides? It's very simple. The Torah is in our hands. And the Shem is in Hashem's hands. Now there's something very deep here we need to understand. And the Shem is in Hashem's hands. Right. And now there's something deep we have to understand here, which having learned Nefer Shachayim, we appreciate. It doesn't say our life is in Hashem's hands. That was always the case. The life of everything is in Hashem's hands. It wasn't a new breast. What was given to us, the Matan Torah, which was new, was we were given the Torah, and we were given a connection to the Neshama. I'll give that. That ability to relate to Ruchni's world of Hashem, to connect to Hashem and Neshama, that extra dimension of, of the spiritual essence of a person was given to us by Sinai. We didn't have it until then. And if that's the case, this is the two sides of the bris. This is the two sides of the bris. They come together. The Torah Kedoshah and Nishmas Yisrael. And one's up to us and one's up to Hashem. And the Sham is Biyad Hashem, like we said. The Sham is always bad. We can connect to it, but it's Biyad Hashem. The Torah is, is in our hands. And we're responsible to each other. And therefore, every time we find again, even Moshe Ben, he was Mechazek, he made that bris stronger. It's Mamish, a two-way street. It's a two-way thing. We're responsible to our Baruch to guard his Torah, to look after his candle, his mitzvahs, and Hashem is responsible to us to look after our neshamas, so to speak, to, to keep us that level of our neshama. And if you, that's why the, the Ramban explains, it's an interesting thing, whenever the Tanakh talks about making a bris, it always talks about being koiresi bris. Koiresi my bris, bris, a bris what, literally, the word koras means for the koras, means to cut off. Right? If you want to make a bris, it can be oise bris if you want. Why is that koras a bris? Why are you cutting off? The Ramban uses it as Israel. He says, a bris is, I cut something off me and I give it to you. You cut something off you and you give it to me. You koras something of yourself as a bris. You koras it from yourself to give it as a, to the other person, and that makes the covenant. And therefore, so to speak, Hashem detached the Torah from Zeruchni origin, if you can say such a thing. From where it was, and gave it to us. That's the Christus Bris. He gave us something from Shemaim in return. He has Anashamas. And uh, that, 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 that's why there's two sides to the Bris. Okay. So that's what we want. That's our connection to it. So the Torah was originally his. And he gave it to us. And now we res- now. We're, Hashem is interested in us because we have his Torah. Now what makes the, the relationship the other way around? We want to connect to Ruchnius. That's we connect to the Neshama. But the mindset, Neshama is beyond Hashem. So now we're relying on Hashem, so, so to speak, to look after Neshama. Did Bruce Ben Yipsar say anything? Or is that involving Yerushim? Yes, the Bruce Ben was the same thing. We have to explain again there what exactly was the given, what was the take. What are the two sides to the Bruce? But 100% is the same thing. And the Bruce is the same thing. Every Bruce is the same thing. The concept of bris, and therefore here, like every time it talks in the Torah about the idea of being kodesh bris, this, this, this is the Yisrael of the Ramban, and that is uh, 
Once he started the Ramban, and that is that there was a certain uh, two sides of the covenant. Each one gave something to the other one, right? And if that's the case, the Mephoshim the, asked the question, what was new here that wasn't done before? And let's explain. There were later times in Tanakh where there were Kairis Abris, and the reason for that was because the previous star had started to stray from the Torah to whatever extent, and therefore whoever the leader of the Dar was who was trying to bring the generation back again was Karis the Bris. It was like a new loyalty to Hashem. Right? It was whether it was talking about Yeshia the king, or it was talking about Ezra later on, or any other other times when they were or Yehada Koyen, where Karis the Bris was because the Dar before that had left Hashem. And now the idea of being Karis the Bris was to renew the relationship. So the terms were the same. The terms are we keep the Torah and Hashem looks after the Shama, which is always meant to be. Right, just because it was a dar that hadn't kept it, now it needed to be renewed. Right. Now, if that's the case, I'm just going to say one just a small point, a side point in that. And this is a, this is a pasuk in Yirmiyah that Hashem says, "I'm going to be curious with your bris chadasha, a new bris, not like the bris of your fathers who rebelled against the bris, who broke the terms of the bris." And I know the Christians make this big deal out of this pasuk that you see there's a new a new covenant with Hashem. It's possible if you read the pasuk, it's not a new covenant. The covenant is the Torah again. Like Yirmiyah goes on to say, to keep Shabbos and to keep Kashrus and to listen to the Hashem and to follow the mitzvahs. So why is it a new bris? Like he says, because since Klai Yisrael had rebelled against the bris, so now it needs to be renewed. But the new bris is the same terms as the old bris. It's an, a re-agreement on the terms of the covenant with Hashem. So, when was Yirmiyah talking about? Um, it's not love dafka. It could have been talking about the bris which came in the, in the time of Ezra, when this, that's what Ezra did. Yes, when that's that's why I said love dafka. It doesn't have to be. The Amma Farshim Spanish not talking about Asad for sure. But it doesn't have to be. The Farshim Spanish talking about any of the other times the Kaddishal will renew their bris with Hashem. Now, that works for a dar. That works for a dar which, so to speak, had needed a bris renewed. The Dar of Yeshua, as you've seen before, was We saw before that Yeshua's only um, comment to them was keep up what you're doing so far. Like until you've done until now. So why would they need to re-carrise the bris? The bris was, was being well kept. The bris was being upheld on both sides. So what was that? why was it necessary to be to renew a bris which was in full was in effect that everybody was keeping it? So that's one of the points that the Mephoshim asked. The second question is the second part of the Pasuk. And then it says, it says, he made it to a chok and a mishpat. You know, some of the mitzvahs in the Torah are called chokim, some of the mitzvahs in the Torah are called mishpatim. And once again, what new mitzvahs did they need? They had the Torah, they were keeping the Torah. So why would, they, why would it be necessary, and what does it mean, the Passover, when it says that Yeshua made it into a chok and a mishpat? Um, you don't find uh, any new mitzvahs that Yeshua gave them. And more than that, like we saw previously, the Vim Antelah to add new mitzvahs. So, so what's it referring to? So it's interesting. The the, the two mahalchim here um, in the Mufarshim. The one is based on a very interesting Gemara. And it's a Gemara at the end of the seventh parak of Bavakama. And the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says, Eser Takonis Tikkun Yeshe. There were ten enactments Yeshua made, put into place when he gave the Jewish to Israel. And one of the examples is that people were allowed to collect firewood in, in private forests from dead trees. Um, another takana was how to delineate 
uh, each person's poor in Nachman as Israel, that nobody is going to encroach on someone else's territory. And a number of other commandments also regarding the laws of Nachalus, or conditions that Yeshua made when you go to Israel. Okay, so we've gone through Sefer Yeshua. Where were these Takonis? Where were these Takonis? So the, the Maldim and others explain that's the Choyko Mishpat. That now Yeshua made new rules for dividing Eretz Yisrael. How to divide it, how the property is going to be apportioned, what happens to the areas which are Hefka, and what's the den of uh, public places, or which trees you can take from and can't take from. It has everything to do with the, the division of the land, which we haven't found anywhere Yeshua spoke about. Even the Gemara, like I said, makes a number of Takonis that Yeshua put in place that does that Noah's over here. And if that's the case, then um, that Mahalach will explain that this was also the terms of the bris. This is also the terms of the bris. Klayashah were keeping the Torah. It wasn't, he didn't have to repeat the bris of Moshe Rabbeinu. It was a bris to the Chaluk of Eretz Yisrael. And this goes back to what we said before. That on the one side, the din of Eretz Yisrael was like by Abraham Avinu. It was Be'atzim, so to speak, if you're going to call it that, Hashem's land. The fact that Hashem gave it to us was something He gave us and that's one side of the story. Israel wasn't given to us as a promise. We never promised Eretz Israel. Israel was given to us as a bris, which means there's two sides to it. If we want Eretz Israel, then there's certain responsibilities in our part. And if we don't keep our side of the bris, then Hashem isn't bound to keep his either, which is why we could lose Eretz Israel, and we did lose Eretz Israel so many times. It wasn't a shvur. It was a, prom- it was a bris. And the bris was based on Hashem will keep his side of the bargain, so to speak, if we give us. And therefore, like the Torah tells us, and like we saw in history many times, when Klai Yisrael didn't keep their size, and Hashem didn't keep his either. He wasn't. He sent us to goddess. Okay, so if that's the case, that would be the, the terms of the bris here would be on Eretz Yisrael. And the, therefore, when it came to the laws of uh, practically how to use the property of Eretz Yisrael, or what restrictions would apply to people's uh, abilities to do things in Eretz Yisrael, whatever it's going to be, that, that Yeshua could set up Laws which Klai Yisrael, from their point of view, were mechayev to keep. And he made it into a bris that the Chalukah Sa'aretz, the value in the land, was contingent on that. And then again, Yeshua was allowed to do that because he was one entrusted with the responsibility of Yimachalik Eretz Yisrael. Right, that's one Mahalik, and that's okay, it's the next pasuk, which is, Vayichtav Yeshua Sadvarim Ha'ele, B'Sayv Ha'Teres Ha'Kim. He wrote these things, as Vayikach Evan G'dayla, that was the memory for what the agreement was. He wrote it all up and he. And he added it to the sacred text. Right. And the Malbim explains it doesn't, doesn't he wrote it on the scroll of the Sefer Torah? He put it together with the Sefer Torah in this place. That it has Hashivas like the Sefer Torah. It's an agreement between Hashem and Klai Yisrael. And therefore it was, it was put on next to the, 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 next to the stone which they. But it's a symbol for this in the Mikdash of Hashem, which was in Shiloh. That's the one Mahalach, um, which explains this Pasuk. The other Mahalach, which is more Thoradax, as now the Rishonim say, goes back to what we said last time. And that is, it wasn't a new mitzvah, and it wasn't a new bris on the earth. It was the bris of the Torah. Except, what Yeshua, so to speak, felt that he had gained more than what was already given to Moshe, was like we said, that now Klai Yisrael, on their own, said, we want to accept the Torah, we want to serve Hashem, and no one was forcing them. There was no harkogigis, there was no compulsion of any nature. And therefore, that's what Yeshua told him the Pasuk before. Yeshua said, you witnesses that you chose yourselves to serve Hashem. It wasn't something which was 
you were compelled to do, and on that Yeshua made a bris with him. And it wasn't that the a bris on new mitzvahs, the mitzvahs they had anyway. It was a bris that the, the agreement was that that Yisrael had accepted Baratzim, accepted willingly to to, to accept uh, the Torah and the mitzvahs, and uh, Yeshua felt, which is what the point of this whole parak was, Yeshua felt that that was something which was adding to what Yisrael was already holding back. In other words, it's true, Yisrael will keep the Torah until now, fully. But he felt that there was a certain moida, there was a certain time they could have had that they were never, it was never up to them, so to speak, to choose in their own. Now that Yisrael had been given the choice, so to speak, that you choose, choose whoever you want to serve, and they said, no, kiss Hashem now, but you want to serve Hashem. So then Yeshua felt this was an, also a reason to make a bris. In other words, there was an agreement on the fact that Yisrael wanted to serve Hashem. You say that now was the first time that they were really going to be on their own, until now it was Moshe and Yeshua was seen as a continuation of Moshe. That's also true. We're going to see that in the next process. That they weren't going to violate in the whole life of Yeshua. Yes, uh, for sure. Just like it wasn't, it's not, it's not it's just those two. The future, not so much the future. Right. This is true, and it's not just uh, then that like we spoke about last week in Pashas Nitzavim. Right, that Moshe was worried about the same thing also. And that is that Moshe was worried that how would Klai Yisrael, so to speak, continue without him? And that's why he says to them, he gave them, you have Bechir, it's up to you. You're responsible and you have to make your own decisions. And Yeshua is basically telling them the same thing. In his words, with the same idea. That uh, even with that you on your own are choosing to serve Hashem, it's not telling Yeshua, and he wasn't the only one to do it. We find down the line that lots of leaders of Klai Yisrael, they're parting message to to either their sons or to Klai Yisrael as a whole was the same thing. It was the same thing. That now he's not going to be there wherever the leader in turn was. But it's the same Klai Yisrael continuing to serve Hashem. It's not continuous on the, leader, on the leader. Shmuel said the same thing to Klai Yisrael. David Amelach said the same thing to Hashem before he died. And the number of the Nevim said this before, before the, the last Nevo was the same idea also. Malachi, for example. His last Nevo was Zichro Taras Moshe Avdi. Right. I'm, I'm going to die. And at the end of the Nevo, remember to keep the Torah. And that was the breast of Malachi. So I understand. The idea that uh, Torah is, is incumbent on Klai Yisrael on their own, even without any specific leader. It's uh, the Nachlava of Klai Yisrael. So that's for sure also true. That's part of Klai Yisrael's commitment to Hashem. Question. Yeah. Like you said. If it's talking about Eretz Yisrael, so Yeshua is the one entrusted with apportioning Eretz Yisrael to the Shvatim. So he said that um, this is conditional on your keeping the rules I'm going to make for how Eretz Yisrael is going to work. In other words, that he's giving each now. If you agree to keep the rules, I will apportion it for you. Uh, he already apportioned it to them. Yeah. But he said this is only being valid if you agree to keep the rules I'm putting in place. Uh-huh. So therefore, it's a give and take. If you want your nachal Eretz Yisrael, you have to accept. If you want the borders to stay the way they are, right. keep the mitzvah. Right. And you have to keep the, the, the restrictions which are placed in there. Okay. And that's on that side. If the side is the Torah, then it's true. There was nothing, it was the same bris as the Torah. Yeshua didn't come to renew the bris. Yeshua came to strengthen it. That is, now Kaisha are doing it miratsan, and not, uh, not, because, uh, not because they have uh, the, compel- the compulsion or whatever it would be. Okay. The stone that he put up with the bris underneath it will be our witness. This is going to be the witness against you in case you ever deny it, this covenant with Hashem. The stone which you put on top of the Sefer of the Torah and the Sefer of the Bris that he put underneath it. Very similar to the Mizbech we saw by the Yarden, that they built something as a symbol of uh, agreement. Or Yaakov, you know, and Yilavan, 
both the symbol of the breast between each other and the galad, and then that was meant to be the same idea. And that's Yeshua's final message to Taisha. They don't see him again. The pasuk finishes. And now if you see here an amazing point, which I'll ask him to finish off tomorrow night, that this is now Yeshua is also called an Eved Hashem. An Eved Hashem. Hashem tomorrow we'll finish the we'll finish the parak and we'll explain a little bit more what's the significance of that topic at this stage.